Thanks for joining us on the Southside Church Podcast. We seek to build real followers of Jesus, so we hope that you find this message both encouraging and insightful. Let's jump in. Hello, thanks for joining us today. We are super excited about our time together here at Southside Church at God's Word, spending time growing as disciples, as followers of Christ, reaching a lost world uh, with the gospel and sharing the good news of Jesus Christ with others. Thank you for taking a few minutes and joining us today. I hope our time together will be uh, edifying for you and it'll help you grow in your faith. And if you don't know Christ, maybe today would help you lead you in a point, to a point of decision that you can recognize your need for him. And so we're, we're in an all-in series right now. If you've been watching any of the previous messages, Pastor Jeff, our lead pastor, has been sharing uh, all-in to the cause of Jesus Christ. And, and the, the, the heart behind this message series is about as the church, not the building necessarily, but the people that make up the church of Christ, the people coming together, banding together, putting our collective works together, our, our per, the personalities and the people that, that Christ has redeemed, putting all that together and going all in so that we can see, we can be a part of what God wants to do in the communities that he's placed us in. And I believe he wants you to be a part of that as well. And so we've talked about going all in, whether that's in your giving, whether that's in serving, making a difference in your community in some way. Maybe that's serving at home right there amongst your family or in your workplace. There's, there's no end to the application of us going all in, giving everything we have, surrendering everything to Jesus. And so I just, we're going to start off at really the same way Pastor Jeff has the last few weeks with this question, how can we impact our world as a Christian? How do we, if, if you are a believer, if you have a relationship with Jesus Christ and you call yourself a Christian, how do we, as collective, how do we impact the world, the world that we live in as a Christian? And I think there's some clear ways we're going to get to see that today. And we're going to, we're going to spend time in this passage, Matthew 5, 16. We're spending time in, 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 in um, the, the Sermon on the Mount, the, the greatest message ever preached by the greatest person ever with Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. He, he's speaking this message and he spends some time with, with, with people and he's sharing his heart. And this is the greatest sermon ever recorded. And if it's the greatest sermon ever recorded, then we probably ought to spend a little time in it and not rush through it. And so Pastor Jeff's leading us verse by verse through this thing. And our verse today that we get to talk about is Matthew five sixteen. In the same way, Jesus says, let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. Jesus says, let your light shine before men so that they can see the good things that you do. They can see the good works and they'll give glory to your Father in heaven. In the same way he's referencing back, he's told them that they're, they're the salt of the earth, they're the, the light of the world, they're a city set on a hill that's not to be hidden, that salt is to, is to add flavor, and that's our presence in the world with God working in and through us. And so he's saying, let your light so shine that people around you will see you and they'll give God glory, they'll be drawn to him. And so I think in, in some manner of speaking, Jesus is saying, well, man, let's give them something to talk about. Let's give them something to talk about. Because here's the truth. They're probably going to talk about us anyway, right? They're probably going to talk about us, so let's give them something godly to talk about. Let's give them something godly to talk about or give them something maybe to talk to God about. Maybe that's what we get to do. But we're created to live a story. You and I, every person that we know, we're created to live a story. And the, the way you live your life matters. Your life matters and the way you live it matters as well. 
And so we, we get to be a part of this and we get to give people something to talk about. And so what Jesus is saying is let it shine, man. Sir, ma'am, kid, teenager, let it shine. Let your light shine. You see, see we, we don't make the light shine. Jesus does the shining through us. He doesn't say, make your light so shine before men. He says, let it. This is about surrender. That's what this passage is about in this particular part. He says, let your light so shine before men. This is about surrender. This is about being willing to cooperate with God and what he wants for your life. This is, about, this is about us saying yes to him, surrender to the Lord and how he wants to use your life and mine to, to shine his light into the lives of these around, those people around us and impact their life. This is about reaching the lost. This is about reaching lost people. This is about reaching people outside of the body of Christ, people that are outside of faith and, 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 and them seeing that light and it drawing them in and them wanting to know what makes us different and having an opportunity to share the gospel. This, that's part of the plan for his church. That's part of God's plan for his church is Jesus does the shining through us so that only he gets the glory for it. It's such a beautiful part of it. It's encouraging not only to the lost, it's also encouraging to other believers. This is so powerful. I was thinking through this message recently. When, when, when your light shines, it can be a catalyst for those around you and your light can brighten theirs. I think about how a candle, when you have two candles, one can be flickering and, and or burning dimly and another one can be burning brightly, but when you unite them, they can burn brightly together. It's so much brighter together and I believe that that's what we get to be. Yes, we are called to reach the lost and to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to the people that are outside the body of faith, but we are also, also called to be encouragers to those around us. See, when we surrender our lives to Jesus, this Christ-like character starts to take over and, and we really get to live out the statement, not my will, but your will be done. God, I will do whatever you tell me to do in the strength that you provide for me to do it in. John 5, Jesus, very, very clearly speaking in John 5, as I flip to that passage, I won't put it on the screen, but in John 5, verse 19, Jesus says, the son is able to do nothing of his own, but only what he sees the father doing. For whatever the father does, the son also does these things in the same way. I think that's a powerful statement that Jesus is setting the example for us that, hey, whatever God says we're supposed to do and, and how Jesus lives his life is how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to take his example and live, live that out very, very passionately and, 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 and on fire as an example for others to see. Matthew 26, again, I'm not gonna put it on the screen, but I'll just, I'll share it with you. Matthew chapter 26, verse 39. Jesus speaking here, he's in the garden of Gethsemane and, and, and he's challenged his friends to be there with him and to, and to pray as he sends, spends some precious time with his father alone. And Jesus fell face down and he prayed, my father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, but yours. And so Jesus is modeling for us that we get to submit and surrender that we, we get to do what God says. We get to be a part of what God's doing. And when we, when we are obedient to him, he shines the light through us 
moving forward, we get, to, we get to be a living testimony. I think that's this Matthew 5, 16. Jesus, let your light so shine before men in this same way. Let your light so shine before men that they'll see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. He's saying you're gonna be a living testimony. You're gonna be a living testimony. And here's, here's the statement to remember. A godly life testifies convincingly to the saving power of God and it glorifies him. A godly life, a person that is set on fire for Jesus, that is living their life in obedience to him, their life is gonna testify convincingly to the saving power of God, and it gives God glory. Such a powerful reminder of of God's power, and and as we submit to him and surrender, we live uh, uh, obediently to him, and we, we, through his spirit working in and through us, we live out a godly life as best we can with his power and his grace and mercy. Ephesians 2.10, one of my favorite passages in all of scripture. For we are his creation, created in Christ for good works, which God prepared ahead of time so that we should walk in them. We are his creation. God created us in Christ to, to do good works, and he's already prepared them ahead of time. He just says, man, I just need you to walk in these. Sir, ma'am, I just need you to walk in these. This is a great passage to help us understand the idea that our godly life testifies to those around us. It testifies to the saving power that God offers through his son, Jesus Christ, and it glorifies him. See, Paul says that we were created to walk in these good works. God prepared them beforehand. He just says, walk in these things and trust me to do good things in them. Trust me to do great things, God says, because just like we mentioned a minute ago, Jesus shines the light through us. Paul is talking to a a church in Philippi, and and really, this whole passage is great as Paul enters into this letter to the Philippian church, but I, I want you to look this first statement. He says, just one thing, just one thing, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. If we just stop right there, live your life in a manner worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Just one thing, live your life for Jesus. Be on purpose about it. Be intentional to live your life on purpose, to walk in these good works that God has prepared beforehand. But don't miss this. It's not working your way into heaven. So many people get caught up with this works-based mentality that if I do enough good and I work hard enough and I do enough nice things, that, that, that one day when I get to, to heaven, when I walk to the pearly gates, that, that they're gonna open the gates and look at the roster of things I've done in my life and if the good things outweigh the bad, then I'll get in. And that's not what scripture says. This is not about working your way into heaven. What, what God puts inside of us at the moment of salvation, it begins to make its way on the, to the outside as we live out our life for him. It's a process called sanctification. It's a big word, but it, it just means that as I'm becoming more and more like Jesus every day, it changes the way I live. It changes the way I talk. It changes the way I think. It changes the things I do. And when people start to notice those things, not because I'm out to flaunt it, but because I'm walking a path obediently to God, I'm letting my light shine. I'm I'm saying yes to what Jesus wants for my life, that people are going to see this. I'm not working my way into heaven. I'm trusting that God is going to allow me to come into heaven because, because of a personal relationship with his son, Jesus Christ. See, it's not just doing nice things. It's not doing nice things. Anybody can do nice things. 
Man, if it were about works, man, you'd see people really trying real hard. It's, it's not about doing nice things. It's not about that because I can tell you, man, there's people that'll live their whole lives and do a whole lot of nice things and they'll, be, they'll die and go to hell. And I know that's a difficult statement, but it's true. Nice, doing nice things doesn't get us eternal life with, with God. A personal relationship with Christ does that. See, the good works we're talking about, they have to be connected to the kingdom of God. These good works that God prepared beforehand, they aren't just nice things. These are good works that God has prepared beforehand according to Ephesians 2.10, and these are connected to the kingdom work of God. And here's the cool thing. Everybody gets to be a part. Everybody. Man, ordinary people living obediently to God, living out their faith in extraordinary things happen. When ordinary people live out their lives obediently to God, God brings about extraordinary results that glorify his name. That's true. Look in, in, in Acts chapter four, uh, verse 13, one of my absolute favorite passages in all the Bible. I don't know that any of them aren't my favorite, um, but one of my favorite passages in, in, in chapter four of, of, of Acts Peter and John are facing these religious leaders of the day and, and they're being called to account about how they've been preaching and, and the things they've been sharing, uh, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. They've been preaching about Jesus. And after they share all these things, in verse 13, they, 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 before they make this, they, Paul says, Paul, um, sorry, Peter and John, Peter says, there's salvation in no other name. That's what he says. There's salvation in no one, no one else, for there's no other name under heaven given to men which by, we, which by we must be saved. And here's the kicker, kicker for me. When they observed the boldness of Peter and John and realized that they were uneducated, untrained men, they were, rec- they were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. Everybody can be a part. This is about ordinary people like you and me saying yes to Jesus and God, doing amazing, extraordinary things in and through our lives that impact the lives of those around us, believers and non-believers, for God's glory, for him to draw them in either to a deeper relationship with him or initiate a relationship with him so that they can trust him and see him do good works and great things in their lives. That's what this is about. This is not, it's not the pastor's job. Jesus didn't say, pastor, you're the light of the world. Hey, church leader, you're the light of the world. He said, we, he said, you are. He's talking to the body of believers. This message was from Jesus to the believers that he was facing in that time. And I believe it's the same message that he would give to you and I today. We are, he said, the light of the world. And the plan is that his spirit goes to work in ordinary people just like you and me. And we are to put his glory on display for the whole world to see so that he can draw them in. He can draw them into him. See, everybody can be a part because I think it's intended to be a collective light. Yes, there's individual application and, and yes, man, we have to live this out on our own and individually in our homes and in the workplace and, and in public and, and, and in our private life and the way we think and the things we say and the, and the meditations of our heart. All these things are true that I, I have to do that. You have to do that individually. But I think there's a collective light that shines and that's the body of Christ. That's the church. You see, we, we shine the brightest when we shine together. 
I believe when we as a church come together and we, we serve together and we make a commitment as we talked about going all in for the cause of Christ, when we make a commitment to go all in for Jesus, there's this collective part of what happens. These individuals become part of the collective. And as a collective, what we get to do is we get to shine bright because the church is supposed to be a beacon in the community, whether it's a house church or the biggest building in the town. It's supposed to be a beacon for people to be drawn into it, for the lost to see it and want to be a part of it, for the, for the destitute and the downtrodden and the difficulties of life and the people that, that are experiencing those things in our communities, for, that, for the church collectively to go out into the community and to shine the light of the gospel into their lives and meet needs so that they can see what we do and we can give glory to our Father in heaven. That's the goal. That's the purpose, that's the idea of the collective light, that this is about God's people impacting the world and working together to make a difference in the world around us until Jesus comes back. Righteous and biblically authorized actions that are beneficial to others and for which God gets the credit. That's what that shining light looks like. But, but here's a question. I wrestled with this. What happens when it gets tough? And what happens when, when we face criticism and discouragement and, and persecution even? Uh, what, what happens, since we're talking about everyone can be a part, here's the truth. Life is hard for everyone. Either all the time or once in a while, life is hard. And this is true for those who have a relationship with Christ and those who don't. See, we all feel pressure in different ways and, and from different places, and that, that it's when that pressure is applied that the character comes out. See, the response of a disciple, if I can click it, the response of a disciple often goes against the grain of culture. You see, when, as a believer, as a follower of Christ, as a disciple, when we're pressured, what comes out? most of the time kind of goes against the culture. It doesn't look the same as the world. There's this worldly system and it kind of competes and looks different than that because God's ways are different than the world's ways. And so when we're pressured, what's on the inside starts to come on the outside. And I mean, think about this. Jesus said uh, in Matthew 12, Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. So what's on the inside when it's it comes, to, it comes out, it comes outside. What's it, what the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. And I heard one pastor say it this way. You don't have a potty mouth, you have a potty heart. What comes, what's on the inside is what comes to the outside. And when we're squeezed, that's what comes out. I mean, here's a simple water bottle. What, what happens if I squeeze this? What comes out? I mean, if I apply pressure and I start to squeeze this, what comes out? Water. Water comes out when there's a, when out of the container, what's inside comes outside. And so what God says should come out is light. He's saying for the believer, he's saying, Jesus said, let your light shine before men that they'll see your good works. Let what's on the inside, what Jesus has put on the inside through that salvation experience and trusting in him as Lord and Savior. Jesus is saying, what's on the inside, let that come out and let people see it. Let people see who I've created you to be. Let people see me in you. That's what Jesus is saying. What keeps us from shining? When it gets tough, man, when, it's, when, it, when what's squeezed, 
when we're squeezed and, and, and God's saying light should come out, but I know in my life, and maybe you could identify with this, in my life, it's not always light. And I struggle. And when pressure and discouragement, persecution and difficulty come in my life, I, I'm just going to be honest with my friends. Man, it's, it's not always light that comes out. And so I think there's, there's some there's, three, there's several things that keep that from happening, but I just want to talk about three real quick. I just want to talk about three. What keeps us from shining? The fear of man. The fear of man. We care too much about the opinions of those around us. It's true. This is throughout Scripture. 1 Samuel 15. Saul says to Samuel, I was afraid of the people, so I gave in to them, and, I, and he violated the Lord's command. Herod, in Mark chapter 6, John the Baptist is in jail, if you've read this account, and he had him beheaded because he was afraid of what his dinner guests would think about him if he didn't do what he was asked. Pilate, you, hopefully you understand this account if you've got a relationship with Christ. Pilate, when Jesus had been delivered to him, Pilate was afraid of offending the people, and so he delivered an innocent man named Jesus over to be crucified. In our lives, we want the applause of man more than we want the approval of God. And what's funny, as I say this, you probably, you're all thinking about somebody else. Somebody's name comes to mind. But we all need to listen to this, including me. Including me. This idea prevents us from living the life God has for us. He's got a great plan for us, for our lives. And when we let the gospel shine through, we get to see that come to fruition. But not only will we not care, but not only will we not care so much about what they say, but the character of God will shine through. What else? Unconfessed sin. I think that's the second thing that comes to mind. Unconfessed sin keeps us from shining. See, when we have unconfessed sin in our lives, it changes how bright we shine. See, unconfessed sin stains the bulb. I, I've, I've got this in my notes. Unconfessed sin stains the bulb, so to speak, and prevents the light from shining through as much as it should. See, there's, I think a couple of ways this happens. One, there's sin that we enjoy way too much. Having that conversation with a friend recently, there's, there's sin that we enjoy. It makes our flesh feel good and, 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 and we like it. So, so that we don't confess it because we enjoy it and we think we can hide it from God. It makes our flesh feel some kind of way and we think we can hide it from God. And I believe that that unconfessed sin can keep our light from shining because it's a stain on my heart. This can also be true in the sin that we don't confess because we think God can't forgive it. It's so difficult. The sin can be so difficult or so dark or so, so gross that God can't, or maybe we think he won't forgive. Have you ever been there? I have where you sin in a way and you think, man, because of the way I did that, God's never gonna forgive me for that. And this brings me to a third point that can prevent the light from shining, and that's forgiveness. See, forgiveness is, is about a canceled debt. There's often, when, when there's a, an offense between two groups, between two, either two groups of people or two people individually, there's a debt that's owed. And see, it creates this debt-debtor relationship. And forgiveness, what, what that is, is forgiveness is erasing the debt, right? Forgiveness is saying, eh, it's debt elimination. Nobody is owed anything here. This is what Jesus did on the cross for you and for me. It's not saying 
that what's happened to you isn't hurtful. It's not saying that it's not a big deal. Man, I think we need to, we need to call sin what it is, and we, we need to approach it that way with a very, very serious approach. All sin is evil and dark, and we need to call it what it is and speak the truth about it. All sin is a big deal. It's so big of a deal that Jesus died and paid the penalty for it for all of us. See, the enemy wants you to believe that forgiveness can't work. See, the enemy wants you to believe that, to forget, that forgiveness can't work if we believe it's impossible for us to forgive others when we've been wronged or hurt. It probably starts this line of thinking that says, well, maybe God's forgiveness isn't possible either. Maybe forgiveness is a, is a, is a foreign concept because I, I'm struggling. I won't forgive this person. And so therefore, maybe because of things, I've offended God in a way that he won't forgive me. Here's the truth. We can't forgive others until we understand that we are forgiven in Christ. Forgiveness is nearly impossible outside of the cross of Jesus Christ. Actually, the forgiveness of sin is impossible outside of the forgiveness of Jesus Christ, the cross that he died on and gave his life for the penalty of sin for you and for me and all of mankind. <laughs> forgiveness is never easy. And it wasn't easy for God. It cost him his son. See, forgiveness isn't easy. I'm not telling you that this is simple to do, that, that, that forgiving someone is always just gonna become second nature to you and just something you do naturally. Forgiveness isn't always easy. It wasn't for God because it cost him his son. That's what forgiveness cost the creator of the universe. It cost him his son. That's what it took for you and me to be forgiven. If we're gonna say we can't forgive others until we understand we're forgiven, understanding that forgiveness means that you and I agree and understand and know that it took Jesus dying on the cross to forgive you and I. That's what it took for us to be forgiven. So why would we think it would come easy for us to forgive someone else? But when we hold unforgiveness in our heart, when we have a lack of forgiveness in our lives for others around us, I believe as, as a Christian, as a disciple of Christ, it can, it can change the way my light shines if I, because it puts dark stains on my heart with how I feel about people and how I look at people, and, and it just creates difficulty in relationship. See, God uses evil to bring about good. Look at the cross. Look at the cross. The cross was ugly. It's painful. It was dark. But it took the cross to shine the light of the gospel into our lives. See, forgiveness, forgiveness is a link between love and light. That's, that, man, forgiveness is what draws those things together. So what, here's the question I want you to answer today. Man, answer this in your time, in your way. Man, you spend time with Jesus. If you don't, man, if you've got a relationship with Christ, you spend time today and focus on this. The light that God has placed inside of you when he sets you free from the penalty of sin and death, what's keeping it from shining the brightest? What's keeping your light from shining the brightest today? Is it fear of what your, your peers and your family may think about you if you do these good works that God's prepared for you? If you live your life obediently, are your coworkers gonna make fun of you? Are people going to look differently at you because you live your life in a, in a way that is countercultural and doesn't just go with the, with the, with the mainstream, go down the mainstream with, with people? Is it 
unconfessed sin is there sin you're either holding on to because you enjoy it, it gratifies your flesh? Is there sin that is so difficult that you think God can't forgive you? And I would, I would encourage you to go, before, go to the foot of the cross and surrender that sin to Jesus and let him show you the victory that he has already provided for you in his name. Is it the forgiveness that you're not offering to others and it's affecting how you live your life and, and, and affecting how bright your light shines because you've got these difficulties in personal relationships and it's just affecting your testimony and how you live? Maybe, maybe today, as you look introspectively and you look within your heart, you'd understand, man, I don't have a light to shine because I've never said yes to Jesus. And I just want to invite you, if what's keeping your light from shining today is that as you don't have a relationship with him, I'd love to encourage you in that. There is no sin that he can't forgive and there's no penalty, extra penalty to be paid. Jesus, Jesus offers you forgiveness through his name, through his death on the cross that paid the penalty for your sin. If you would confess your sin and call on the name of the Lord, scripture says you will be saved. And so I encourage you in this moment right now, to bow your head, to close your eyes, to confess that sin, to say to God, these are the things I've done that I know don't bring you glory. And God, I ask for forgiveness of those things in Jesus' name. Would you restore the relationship between us and would you come and be Lord and Savior of my life? I submit and surrender to you and I wanna live obediently for you for the rest of my life. I say yes to you today, Jesus. Would you say that today? What a celebration that is in heaven. And we'd love to celebrate it with you too. If you would, if you made a decision today to accept Christ, man, would you share that with the information we're gonna provide? Just shoot us an email or a message and let us know that you said yes to Jesus today. And for the church, wherever you are, wherever this message finds you, and if we can pray for you and encourage you today so that your light can shine a little brighter, would you send us a note? We'd love to be that encouragement for you and lift you up today. God bless you. We look forward to seeing you again soon. Take care. If you made that decision today to say, yes, I do want to choose Jesus. I do want to acknowledge him as my personal Lord and Savior. Congratulations. We could not be more excited for you. And we want to help you in that process and answer any questions that you might have and provide you resources. To do that, simply text Jesus, that's J-E-S-U-S, to 706-449-0870. And one of our pastors on staff will be in touch with you because we want to help you as you walk out your faith. If you thought, you know what, I would like to contribute to all that God is doing in and through Southside. I would like to partner with Him. You can do that in three simple ways. First, you can text GIVE, G-I-V-E, to 706-449-0870. Secondly, you can do it on the Southside app in the Give tab. Lastly, Southside.online. You can do it through the Give section on our website. Thank you so much for being here with us today, and we hope you have a great rest of your week.